This is Would You Rather, a podcast where Cosmos magazine journalists debate a topic and only one comes out on top. G'day, I'm Matthew Aegis. And I'm Emma Perfetto. Okay, Emma, I want to know, would you rather be bitten by an eastern brown snake or a Sydney funnel web spider? Maybe the best way to start this is talking about venom and, you know, what it is actually. That's a very good question, Emma. And when it comes to venoms for snakes, I would imagine that for spiders it's probably going to be quite similar as well. And when it's snake venom, it's a mix or a cocktail, um, and venoms are often described as, as a cocktail of substances that might well be poisonous to a living creature. And we're clearly talking about humans and, and poisonousness to, to humans here. So it contains things like carbohydrates, amino acids, lipids. So these are things that we know everyone needs to exist. We need all of these things for energy, for you know bodily functions, for um, the standard operation of our lives. Uh, but they aren't necessarily ones that are good for us or that in the way that they're administered are good for us. And in cases of snake venom, especially in Australia, the members of the Elapidae family, so that includes several genuses of of snake, including the uh, eastern brown snake, they all contain about 20 different toxins or classes of toxins. So when you say that straight off the bat, it's like, oh, oh God, <laughs> that sounds really bad. Um, and what they do could be many and varied. So if you look at eastern brown snakes, they contain things like something called a three-finger toxin. So when you see the protein folding of it, it looks like sort of three strands or the three fingers that it gets its name from. Uh, Cysteine-rich secretory protein, activated coagulation factor X homologue, and its its sister, which is activated coagulation factor V homologue, Kunitz peptide, and phospholipase A2. Now, that probably doesn't mean a lot to many people. These are just very toxins to snake venom in general and these are the ones that are often found within brown snakes okay cool interestingly though the coagulation proteins are not found in the venom of baby brown snakes they are almost yeah so they're almost entirely neurotoxins um, only and they think that part of the reason and, and to sort of get a sense of this I spoke to Dr Timothy Jackson who's from the Australian Venom Research Unit at Melbourne Uni and his observation is that it's based potentially on evolution of the species. So baby brown snakes tend to eat a lot of lizards. Do they need to cause the blood to coagulate uh, when they inject it with venom? Probably not. But a neurotoxin might be all that's required to knock a small lizard out and therefore baby brown snakes have neurotoxins in their venom but none of these coagulation factors yeah that makes sense yeah so for a larger animal like a a larger mammal um and not that sort of you would expect an eastern brown snake to be eating a human anytime soon but we are mammals (laughs) that's where things like enzymes that cause blood to coagulate or to to use up all of its coagulation factor might be useful to that snake so evolutionarily speaking there's so much fascinating stuff when it comes to snake venom and uh, in the case of all snakes in Australia, they tend to have about 20 toxins. And those, as I say, are the ones that, that apply to, to eastern browns. And I think the thing for me, which is, you know, when you get bitten by a snake, what's going to happen? And with an eastern brown snake, it just seems that those 
procoagulant hemotoxins basically change your blood chemistry, mm. cause the the substances in your blood that cause clotting to take place. If you cut yourself, you need to have clotting take place so that it stops bleeding. It'll use up all those factors. And without those factors, you could then theoretically bleed to death because there's nothing left to actually clot your blood up. So it might cause a blood clot, but it could also expire all those really important things to, to clot your blood at all and, and therefore you might not be able to stop bleeding if you were. So it's um, very interesting to understand how that works. Uh, about you, what's in a Sydney funnel web fang? What's uh, getting pumped into your body with a spider bite? Yeah, so it's, it's actually really interesting when I started doing the research. Um, I found out that, so there have been 13 recorded deaths from Sydney funnel web spiders uh, in you know recorded history and um all of them were due to a bite from a male spider uh, not a female and that's because their venom is five times more toxic than the females uh, it's because of this like single component of the of the venom um like you were saying before you know venoms are made up of you know thousands of different components but there is one uh, it's called delta atracotoxin and it isn't present in the female's venom, but it is present in the male's male venom. And this peptide only affects uh, humans and other primates. So sort of how it works is, as I said, it's a, a neurotoxin, so it affects the nervous system. And what it does is it causes our nerves to pretty much spontaneously and repetitively fire. So they're, they're turned on and they keep firing over and over and over again without being able to be stopped or regulated at all. So that causes, you know, our muscles to go into spasm, sort of depresses your ability to breathe, to respire, increasing your blood pressure, and it can eventually cause you to go into a coma pretty much. And, you know, there's organ failure and death, uh, which is all fun. Well, maybe not, not so fun. Um, yeah, it's it's only the male spiders uh, that has that component of the venom. So if you're bitten by a female, it'll probably hurt a lot and you should still uh, seek medical attention because you may not know if it's a male or a female. But, uh, yeah, you, you won't have that severe of a uh, reaction. Can I just say now at this point that I'm really, really, really happy that I don't live in Sydney anymore. Really happy. And I intentionally chose to live as close to the ocean away from where I knew Sydney Funnelwebs might be to avoid really? coming into contact with them. So, you know, that's the price you pay in Sydney, possibly. High rents near the sea in the eastern suburbs just because the odds of coming across a wandering Sydney Funnelweb are much lower. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I think this is where it comes to that important point around what would, what would you do to stop it? And surely that's an anti-venom. How do you make an anti-venom for a Sydney funnel web? Yeah, so um, an anti-venom, if uh, you didn't know, is composed of antibodies uh, bind to and neutralise uh, venoms in the body. So in the case of a Sydney funnel web uh, anti-venom, I'll give you a little bit of a history lesson. It was actually developed in 1980 originally uh, by Dr. Struan Sutherland and his team at the Commonwealth Serum Laboratories. 
And now anti-venom is held at every uh, major city and regional hospital. Uh, it's really great to know. Uh, so feels so much better. <laughs> so much better. <laughs> I'm so glad I was born when I was born. Uh, so today the venom is actually collected at the Australian Reptile Park in uh, New South Wales. Uh, in order to make the anti-venom. And I actually talked to keeper Cooper Vanderwall uh, about the process. Uh, he's a, a keeper there and he literally had just come from milking Sydney funnel web spiders when he came to talk to me. So that was really interesting. So pretty much what they do is they have to milk the spiders. So they sort of uh, encourage it to rear up onto its hind legs and uh, start to produce venom and then they use a little pipette which is hooked up to a very gentle vacuum and pretty pretty much they vacuum up the tiny droplets that beat up along their their fangs um and uh, according to him actually it takes 150 of these milkings to produce enough venom that they can then be turned into one vial of antivenom. So you need to do it a few times. You don't get a whole lot out of a milking. Then they, they freeze that up and they send it off to uh, Securus, who dilute it down and then inject it into rabbits, uh, which will then build up an immune response against the venom. So they sort of increase the dosage steadily over six months until the rabbit can withstand six times the lethal dose of the venom. Um, they extract the blood and then separate it out so that they have the antibodies to then make into the antivenom that uh, will go into your eye if we ever get bitten. Very, very similar to snake antivenin manufacture. So with that, you know, you, you might well have seen the images of the reptile handler interacting with the head of, of the snake and causing its fangs to sort of re retract and oh yeah, I think come I've out in, into a glass beaker. Yeah, I think I've seen that in almost every snake documentary I've ever watched. Mm -hmm. It's the classic image, isn't it? But what uh, the difference perhaps in, in terms of the recipient for antibody creation uh, is that it's a horse usually. So usually oh. they'll use a horse to, to actually create those antibodies for, for the snake venom. And the process then goes on in a very similar fashion to, to what you described, where those isolated antibodies are then used to create relevant venom candidates for each individual species. And, and there are several specific ones to specific species. So eastern brown snake has its own. However, there is also what is called a polyvalent antivenom. So an antivenom that if you weren't able to identify the snake, you would be given this and it is going to be very effective at preventing serious responses to what you've been injected with. So it's good to know that even if you can't identify the snake, that there is a candidate there that should basically be the universal antivenom. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, and I think it's worth mentioning that you know, if you're bitten in the area that Sydney funnel web spiders occur and you can't accurately identify it as a Sydney funnel web, but you suspect that it might be, it's best just to act as though that's what you've been bitten by and seek treatment accordingly. Now, how deadly are eastern brown snakes actually? That's a good question because we live in a country in Australia where you'll see things like 
it is the home of the 10 deadliest snakes in the world and things like that thrown around. And of course, when I threw that in my discussions with venom experts like Dr. Jackson, it was, oh, well, define deadly. And I'm like, oh, well, why don't you define it for me? <laughs> um, the point probably worth understanding about deadliness is that it, it depends on how you measure it. And this is the point that he was trying to make. So there's this factor called LD50. And LD50 is lethal dose median, basically. So the, the, the out of all samples administered to a, a, a mouse in a clinical setting, in a, in a laboratory, what was the, the 50th percentile value to kill that mouse? If that makes sense. What it means for eastern brown snakes is that it is the second lowest LD50. And usually you think, oh, well, low is good. In this case, it's bad because what it's saying is it doesn't need that much venom to kill the mouse. Okay, yeah. A very low dosage that needs to be administered to kill the mouse. So in that case, it's uh, very potent. But that's very potent in a clinical setting. In the real world, again, it depends how you choose to measure it. And so I think that in the case of an eastern brown snake, whilst it doesn't need to administer much to you to kill you or to cause you know very significant clinical effects, it has very small fangs, so penetration is a tough job for an eastern brown snake on a human. So whilst we know that it needs very little to get a mouse, to get a human is a different proposition. Um, and so the question would be, well, how much venom was actually able to administer to that person? And therefore, is that enough to potentially cause death? And if not death, what level of side effects could could happen as a result of, of the amount that was able to be dispensed? Yeah, I guess, especially if people are wearing clothes as well, that adds that additional layer um, might be protective as well. Absolutely. And again, you know, as we mentioned earlier, is it an adult brown snake? Or is, it, mm. is it a baby brown snake? Because you're not getting the same venom. For some species of snake, they are shy, evasive species. So they might be very deadly, but what are the chances that they're actually going to attack you? So a coastal taipan or an inland taipan might have very, very, very low LD50 ratings. But in the case of an inland taipan, there are very few people that are going to kind of come across them. They live in the interior of Australia where very few people live. Yeah. For coastal taipan, which might have a very low LD50, what's the chances that you're going to come across one again? So I think that's one of the key caveats to deadliness. What are the chances that the snake will actually attack you and try and defend itself rather than run away? Uh, real world is very different to clinical in, in this respect mm. and it probably shows in the actual data and that is that on average in the last 12 years three people have died from a snake bite per year out of the entire australian population really? and that and and that includes within that the very high number of people that present to hospital in the hundreds with a snake bite so the actual chances of you dying from a snake bite are quite low and I think that's shown in the data by the fact that in Australia, you are more likely to die after being stung by a hornet or a wasp. Really? Maybe we should have been doing this uh, episode about hornets and wasps. Very, <laughs> but, you know, everywhere in the world has hornets and wasps. But what we, I guess, have as a country is this reputation for scary snakes and spiders. What this says to me is 
it's not even the worst thing that can inject you with venom. So um, at least in a statistical sense. So when it comes to deadliness, I think there are a lot of different ways you can look at that that concept, that idea. And for, for venom experts, that's the point they try to communicate. It's, well, we're told to be scared of, of all these different animals and we should certainly be cautious. That goes without saying we should present to hospital if we're bitten by a snake and, and no doubt a spider. But key takeaway is is that you're unlikely to die from a snake bite and in the case of an eastern brown snake where it is very potent presenting to hospital you have anti-venoms at every hospital as you just said so Mm. once that's administered to you the gravest consequences can be avoided yeah yeah and i think another way to think about deadliness at least in the context of the sydney funnel web spider is you know exactly with presenting to a hospital getting your anti-venom the so-called deadliness of it is really, really relative because, you know, a Sydney funnel web can kill the well. The quickest verified death was uh, occur- occurred within fifteen minutes. Uh, that was uh, with a young a young person, a child. Um, so obviously, with a smaller body weight, that is going to work a lot quicker. Um, so there's the sort of you know, how deadly is it to a child versus how deadly is it when you're an adult and you've been bitten? Um, Yeah, 42% of all of the severe envenoming cases happened in children. And so for adults, uh, sort of symptoms and even death can occur sort of within the hour or so. But in saying all of that, there hasn't been a death due to a Sydney funnel web spider since 1981 when the antivenom was introduced it just hasn't happened. Well, I guess that now makes me want to ask you <laughs> with that fact and with what I've said, have, have you changed your mind on what you'd rather be bit, bitten by if you, had to, if you had to choose which one was going to send you to hospital in this country? What would you be <laughs> picking? Yeah, no, I really haven't changed my mind at all. <laughs> if anything, our discussion has firmly solidified my stance. I, I really really do think that I would rather be bitten by a Sydney funnel web. And, and I think part of that is because of just where they're found. So, you know, they're only really found in this really limited range in New South Wales, usually within about 100 kilometres radius of Sydney, hence the name. So, you know, you're, if you're going to be bitten, it's going to be in a highly populated area uh, you're not going to be rural. You're going to have access to medical attention and be able to get to a hospital nearby that has the antivenom there to treat you. Uh, likely, well within that, you know, hour time frame that I was talking about before. Also, I I don't go to Sydney very often, <laughs> so uh, just for me personally, uh, the odds of me being bitten are extremely, extremely low. <laughs> Yes, and I think that, I mean, to, to the point you make about Sydney funnel webs being largely confined to Sydney and sort of the Blue Mountains near it, I think that does give me a lot of confidence as an ex-Sydney cider uh, that I am um, getting bitten by one would mean that I'd be pretty close to a hospital. And so I think to the point that you made, though, around, you know, Sydney funnel web spiders are mainly based in and around Sydney and the Blue Mountains. You'll be close to a hospital. For the same reasons, being bitten by an eastern brown snake, you'll you'll likely be attacked or, or have it inflicted upon you in a metropolitan area. People live there, snakes live there, there's going to be that interface. However, I think it's hard to argue with the fact that there are 
as you've said, in Australia, no deaths since the anti-venom's been introduced for the spider, and there's on average three deaths a year still in Australia from an eastern brown snake bite or a snake bite. So uh, being bitten by a spider in general would be preferable, I think. And I guess, you know, I've said with that data that it's it's snake bite, venomous snake bite. It's not specifically an eastern brown snake that's sending people to hospital or resulting in a death. But the fact is, is that they are ubiquitous, have a reputation for being highly venomous and, and occupy areas where there are people. So you would usually say an eastern brown snake is is it's got a rep for a reason and the fact that snake bite is more likely to kill you in general in this country than a spider bite i'd probably take the spider bite yeah. if you gave me the choice <laughs> uh. yeah no i i yeah i definitely agree with you there and i think another just to add uh, another reason onto the pile of of why i would definitely prefer the sydney funnel web um, so I spoke to um, Olivia Christmas, who is a keeper at Taronga Zoo in New South Wales. And, you know, she told me that, you know, even though these spiders have a reputation for it, they aren't actually an aggressive species either. Uh, they're more of a defensive one, really. Um, you know, if you saw it on the ground in front of you, it's not going to take a wild run, leap, jump and crawl up you and try and bite you on, on the head. Instead, what they do is they have this incredible threat display where they sort of rear up onto their hind legs um, and they expose this red warning patch on their bellies. Um, they need to be really worked up before they start actually producing venom in the first place. So, you know, as long as you're respectful of them and keep your wits about you and don't antagonise them, you know, specifically, then you're not really going to be accosted by them going about your life i think that probably makes a lot of sense doesn't it i mean a, a snake or a spider isn't going to try and eat a human being in this country at least so uh why would it be going to attack you it's only going to act in self-defense or or what it perceives the need to be defensive so there you go well i think you win emma um, <laughs> i think you win and that is all for this episode of would you rather from us here at cosmos magazine Make sure you check out our follow-up stories on snakes and spiders and let us know on social media what side you're on. And get more news on the science of everything at cosmosmagazine.com. Until next time. <laughs>